Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Hope you're having a wonderful Friday morning. Sky Guasco back with you, host of the TCK Pod. Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Today, we're bringing in Bobby LaMarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor for Episode 298 and the early game slate for Sundays. Bobby, how you doing today, bud? I'm good, man. Let's talk football. I'm ready to go. Awesome. As I mentioned on yesterday's episode, Lucas and I and Bobby had to kind of do a little rope-a-dope and switch things up. Not a problem. Happy to be flexible and call a few Omahas here on the podcast when necessary. So Lucas took care of the late game uh, episodes um, earlier in the week. So if you missed those, go ahead and dial back into it. Bobby and I usually go on Wednesday to get the uh, early game episodes, but we had to make a couple audibles this week. So no big deal. Let's get into it now. We have eight games to cover. Bobby, we know the drill by now. We're going to break down each team. We're going to break down as much of the matchups as possible. We got a lot of injuries to cover. We got a lot of COVID stuff starting to pop up again, unfortunately. And we're going to try to do the best we can to help everybody with some start sits going through the week. So we'll jump right into it here. We've got Denver and Atlanta on the slate first here. The Broncos come in at three and four after a big win over the Chargers. Chargers blowing their fourth consecutive 16-point lead, unfortunately, for a fourth consecutive loss. The Falcons come in at two and six. Both of these teams had much bigger aspirations, obviously, preseason, but this is where they're at. This game is in Atlanta. Atlanta is a four-point favorite as of right now. One of the better over-unders should be a shootout. I've actually got Drew Locke as my super flex start of the week at the quarterback position this week here. A lot of question marks, though. Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon, how do you feel there? Is Jerry Judy going to be reliable? If not, is Tim Patrick going to be healthy enough? Do you fire up Noah Fant or are we rolling out Albert O still? And on the other side, we have the Falcons here, which is basically still just start your studs, but I'm a little bit concerned about Calvin Ridley and that ankle. If not, how do we feel about Russell Gage? I turn the floor over to you, my man. Yeah, so when I was looking at this game, like you touched on, it should be a fun one. Uh, this that The pass volume projection for this game is very good on both sides. Both defenses see a lot of pass volume. So I do like that call on Drew Locke. I'm also a fan of, of Matt Ryan in this game as well. Let's focus on the Broncos first. When you're looking at who beats the Falcons this season, they actually have been a lot better against the run than the pass. And the Falcons, I mean, tight ends have been just crushing them all year long. So I'm a big fan of Noah fan. I think fan... He is, he is getting back to, you know, getting healthy. It takes some time. We see it last year with a bunch of star players with ankle injuries and foot injuries. It takes a couple of games for them to get back into the swing of things. I think that's no fan. I think this is the game he gets right. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's DFS good. And I think that's where I'm at with no offense. 
Now with the receiving core, they have switched things up on the Denver side. So KJ Hamler is back healthy, ready to go. So he's actually now the primary slot receiver early on in the season. It was Jerry Judy, but now Judy kicks outside Tim Patrick as well will be on the outside. And then when you're looking at who beats the Falcons, that is good news. Outside receivers have been very good against the Atlanta Falcons. So I do like Jerry Judy in this matchup. Um, of course, Tim Patrick, we have to monitor his hamstring injury. He did get back-to-back -back limited practices in on Wednesday and Thursday. So he's expected to suit up, but I like them both. I think both guys can be started. I really like Drew Locke in this game, especially because when you're looking at who, who you want to play, I want to play the pass catchers over the running backs. I do think Melvin Gordon Listen, Philip Lindsay's been better than Melvin Gordon this season, um, but Melvin Gordon is just more of the complete back in the past game. He's also a better pass blocker, and he's the guy they acquired in the offseason. So he continues to get work. So I personally feel like you can start Melvin Gordon in this game, but I am not a big fan of him. I think he's only a flex running back at best. I'm more favoring the pass catchers in this one. On the Atlanta Falcons side, like you touched on, it's about Calvin Ridley's injury, but you know, when you're looking at the injuries to the Denver defense, you know, A.J. Boye finally came back. Then he gets in concussion. He was DMP on Thursday. I don't see him playing in this one. And all year long, outside receivers have performed very well against this Denver Broncos secondary. So I think if, if you're looking at no Calvin Ridley, this is a smash spot for Julio Jones. I think Julio can have a monster game in this one. And I think when you're looking at Matt Ryan, I think he's going to fixate on a guy like Julio Jones in this one. So I'm not overly excited to go look at, you know, a Blake, for example, who is replacing Calvin Ridley um, and Russell Gage. Russell Gage actually has kind of teetered off and Hayden Hurst is starting to emerge as more of a consistent weapon. So, you know, the Denver defense has a winnable matchup for tight ends. So I do think Hayden Hurst becomes the number two for me when looking at the pass catchers, if there is no Calvin Ridley, if Ridley's in, you're playing Ridley, but I think it's Julio, then Hayden Hurst in my pecking order for the pass catchers. But I like both quarterbacks. I think they're both usable in this game. And then Todd Gurley, listen, it's it's almost becoming a conundrum with Todd Gurley because they're using so much of Brian Hill. Is it to keep Gurley fresh? But if you watch some of those games, you see him on the sideline kind of stretching his leg, making some weird faces. I don't know if he's 100% healthy, um, but this is a game where, you know, listen, they're at home. They can, they're, they're actually favored in this game versus the Broncos. So you've got to think he might be good for a score in this one. So I, I, I'm okay with starting early in this matchup, but I am favoring the the passing game weapons over the running game in this matchup. I agree. With the landscape of the running back position, you pretty much have no choice but to fire up Gurley, but he's pretty much been this entire season. No, I mean, little to no work in the passing game, which is really surprised considering what we saw him do with the Rams for the last couple of years when healthy. And he is good for usually a goal line, you know, touchdown or two in a game so he'll probably break even for you in fantasy but I would not expect those big games anymore from Todd Gurley and we did see this Denver defense really bottle up uh Derrick Henry early in the season they've been pretty good against a run now Derrick Henry eventually went over you know 100 yards I believe but it was on like 29 carries or something Todd Gurley is probably going to get about 15 in this one so I do expect them to be a, a good play there but I I agree with you um in your analysis in general of the wide receiver options and quarterbacks over the running backs in general. All right, let's move on to the Buffalo Bills and Seattle Seahawks. Seattle comes in, of course, big win over the rival San Francisco 49ers last week, six and one pacing the NFC and the Bills six and two 
very good start to the season. They had two uh, losses and then they bounced back. So they are doing very well. Also here, Seattle is favored on the road by about three, one of the higher over-unders on the week, currently at 55. This is supposed to actually be a, a really nice game in Buffalo here. It looks like sunny in the 70s, which is, I mean, you can't ask for better in Buffalo this oh. time of year, certainly. So that's a that's a pretty, pretty hot summer day there in Buffalo this time of year. So <clears throat> weather should not be an issue as of right now, and we saw a lot of weather issues last week for Seattle. I mean, the only question mark is going to be the running back position. Chris Carson still lingering on an, an injury. Carlos Hyde doesn't look like he's able to go. Are we going to see Travis Homer or are we going to see DJ Dallas, who really got the bulk of the work last week? And then, you know, you fire up Russ, you fire up Lockett, you fire up DK, of course. Tight end, I mean, I just – you're really gambling trying to figure out, A, who the top tight end is for Seattle, and B – hoping they score a touchdown. So I'm going to fade the tight end if I can. On the Bills side, Josh Allen's automatic. Looks like Zach Moss is really starting to take over for fantasy purposes. He's starting to take over um, that true goal line work, that pass catching work. But Singletary is still getting more work overall. So are you comfortable with either, both, neither? How do you feel about the running backs? And then wide receiver-wise, John Brown, limited work, should be coming back this week. But he's quite struggled the last couple of weeks. Cole Beasley has been very consistent. And Stephon Diggs. Uh, leading the um, leading the NFL in reception. So going to be an interesting matchup here in general. I think this could be a, a big game in Buffalo in general with uh, with playoff aspirations, um, certainly on the table here in the AFC and the NFC leaders here. I think it could be an interesting game for the, the Bills really to put a stamp on the NFL, uh, but the Seahawks are the Seahawks. How do you feel about this one? I love it. I mean, listen, the, the, the great news about the weather is key because, listen, this game should be a great pass volume game. No team sees more dropbacks on defense per game than the Seattle Seahawks. This has a lot to do with the fact that their offense is just rolling. So this from a Josh Allen and Buffalo Bills standpoint receiving core, you should be very excited. Now, let's focus on Seattle first. I think, listen, you're probably a lot of people are going to talk about Tredavious White and how he's going to shadow DK Metcalf, and that's probably going to happen. But if you look at Tredavious White and his history against bigger receivers, he does not perform as well. I mean, DK Metcalf is a different type of animal. Plus, Tredavious White's been dealing with his own back injury, so I'm not fading DK at all, even though there is a shadow coverage matchup on the docket for him. But when you're looking at who beats the Bills, it's been pretty much slot guys and tight ends. It's been middle of the field all day. And I think that's huge news for Tyler Lockett. You know, also the Bills are dealing with some injuries. Josh Norman in the secondary. They just got back Levi Wallace. But overall, you know, there isn't – they haven't been the same secondary throughout the season. So I'm all in on Tyler Lockett in this game. I think DK Metcalf gets his. Now the question is – does, is the pass volume good enough for a guy like Greg Olson? And I do think so. I think you have seen the Buffalo Bills allow a lot of production to the tight end position. I think Greg Olson, that makes him a low-end tight end one on the week because this game should be full of pass volume because the pass games are a lot better than the run games in the sense of the matchup. Now, Buffalo's ground game defense has not been great either. I think DJ Dallas, I am extremely comfortable with him. If there's no Chris Carson – Dallas looks to be the lead guy. You've got to keep in mind that Travis Homer did not practice all last week either. Uh, he did not, uh, you know, he was very limited in that game. So at least this week he should be back practicing a little bit more and he should get more of the passing game work for the, the Buff, uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. But I'm still rolling with DJ Dallas if Chris Carson is out. If Carson's in, you're rolling with him. On the Buffalo Bills side, I, I got to tell you, I'm excited for, you know, obviously Stephon Diggs, he should be in your DFS lineups. I love him. 
Josh Allen, same thing. And then for the ancillary wide receivers like John Brown, Cole Beasley, listen, Beasley's always fine. You're never going to be too excited about him. But, you know, Seattle has been bad against every type of receiver you can imagine. But I think this kind of game is exciting for a guy like John Brown. I think John Brown can really, you know, he's proven when he's healthy. He's been a solid wide receiver two slash three all year when he plays a lot, a full allotment of snaps. So I'm playing John Brown if I have him in this game. I think that Seattle in a good weather game in Buffalo should have the ability to put up points against that Buffalo defense. Now, when you're looking at the running back position, it's literally a 50-50 timeshare. I mean, snap counts for the rushing game, it's been 30 to 31 over the last two weeks in favor of Singletary. Attempts 22 to 21. The production has been there for both of them in some way, shape, or form, but I think both guys are always going to be touchdown dependent because the fact that you they don't have the full allotment of sl- uh, snaps. So you're getting about 10 to 12 carries on average per game. You need them to score. And that's Zach Moss over Devin Singletary. So I personally would favor Moss. Seattle's been a lot better against the run than the pass. So I do believe this is a pass funnel game. I do believe that it's going to be better for the pass catchers. But if I'm going to take a running back in this game for the Buffalo side, I'm going to take the guy who's a better chance to score. And that's Zach Moss. Devin Singletary to me is just kind of this very middling flex play now because he's getting half the work and he is not getting the featured goal line work. So I'm just not on Devin Singletary. And my thing is, if he does get in the end zone, it's going to be fluky. You're never going to be able to predict it. So I'm leaning Zach Moss over Singletary, but overall I'm once again, leading pass catchers for both sides. A big part of Singletary's uh, uh, attraction this off season was his ability to make big plays runs over 20 yards pass, you know, catches over 20 yards, whatever. We know he's on a goal line back. He's five, seven, he's a smaller back, but he's able to make big plays last year. He only has one play over 20 yards this year, which is just not getting it done. So even if he gets 15, 18 touches, he's kind of plodding along, which you don't really see with, with uh, smaller backs, you know, Tariq Cohen, Boston Scott, whatnot. So um, with his lack of work in the passing game, which has now gone to Zach Moss, plus Zach Moss getting that goal line work and Josh Allen getting the goal line work uh, himself, um, there's obviously not much left on the bone there for Singletary. So it's really a, a volume play, which I just don't like for a, a player like him. So I agree. I'm going to lean Zach Moss as well. All right, let's move on to Indianapolis hosting the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens have, uh, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the NFL week to week but they cannot get past their two nemesis in the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And of course the chiefs overall. So the Ravens at five and two, the Colts, I think I I like the Colts a lot. I like them on defense when Darius Leonard is healthy. I like them on offense when they're able to move the ball, but I have serious question marks with Phillip rivers, serious question marks about Jonathan Taylor at this point, T Y Hilton probably won't even play. And if he does, he's kind of useless. Unfortunately, at this point, I think they're, I don't want to say this negatively, but I think they're kind of the AFC bears, if you will, that like are a good football team in general, but they're kind of like um, fool's gold, if you will, with their record at five and two. I just, for some reason, I'm not feeling as confident as I was early in the season. So I think really the, the, the Ravens could potentially roll them here in this game for the Ravens side. J.K. Dobbins should be getting the start. Gus Edwards is going to get the start to kind of a one, a one B. I'm curious to see how you feel about that. The Colts are giving up the second, uh, the second fewest fantasy points to running backs. So they have been very, very good. Um, And then again, with, you know, Lamar Jackson kind of having a dud game, if you will, and hurt his circumstances, I'm a little bit concerned about him. I actually put him as my super flex sit of the week, which I can't believe I did that. But when I'm looking at the 
or I'm sorry, the uh, single quarterback sit of the week. When I'm looking at that, it's um, just the fact that this Colts defense has been very good against rushing quarterbacks. They have not allowed a quarterback to rush for more than 41 yards over the last 39 games, which is pretty incredible. And I'm just a little bit worried about this offense in general. We know that Hollywood Brown is disgruntled. Mark Andrews is effective on his three targets a game, but it's three targets a game. So I'm concerned about that. On the Colts side, again, Jonathan Taylor may be banged up, might just not be good. We'll see what happens with that. Jordan Wilkins comes in, plays very well, steals his touchdown. Naheem Hines gets two more last week. What are we doing in that backfield? And then is there anybody else in the pass catchers for the Colts that you're comfortable of? Michael Pittman returns, but is he going to get a full workload? Marcus Johnson, who's been great the last couple of weeks, is kind of banged up as well. T.Y., as I mentioned, is is hit or miss. And then Trey Burton is getting rushing touchdowns, but you know Jack Doyle and Mo Cox potentially are still in the mix as well. So there are just way too many uh, question marks in this game, man, for me to really feel comfortable about anybody outside of maybe Mark Andrews just because he's an automatic start at his position. Right. Yeah. So when I was looking at this game and, and listen, when you look at the Ravens, I loved when I talked about this in the last podcast, you know, the Ravens run deep offense is it's so nice to get clarity. I mean, not having three guys consistently, we just saw the floodgates open for Edwards and Dobbins last week. And when you're looking at this game, I understand the Indianapolis Colts defense is good, but the Steelers defense is really good. And they're both top five run defenses in the NFL. And they just completely gashed the Steelers on the ground. I think that was one of the biggest surprises last week is how dominant Dobbins and Edwards were against such a dominant run defense in Pittsburgh. So with Mark Ingram not practicing so far this week and looking doubtful for this game, that's great news. I think you've got to roll with Dobbins and Edwards. I mean, the clarity you got last week in this run offense with only two backs, I just think I feel comfortable with both of them because they did it so well against Pittsburgh. So in that sense, I'm okay with it. Another key factor in all this is because uh, is the COVID-19 outbreak with the Ravens all, and they have lost so many defensive players. Uh, Marlon Humphrey is out for this game. A couple guys on defensive line, you know, Patrick Queen uh, and Elliott, their safety. There are so many guys that tested positive, which means that could be good news for the Colts offense. So I just see that there's going to be a little bit, maybe a more pass volume in this game for everyone. So I think that's going to rise up this floor of the game because there's so many injuries or not injuries, but COVID-19 positives on the Ravens. So just keep that in mind. Watch for Saturday because then they'll do the second or third uh, results and they'll see if they're actually cleared or not. But Marlon Humphrey's definitely out, but there could be more out. So this could be good news for the offenses in this matchup. But when you look at the Ravens pass catchers, we have seen outside receivers beat the Colts. Marvin Jones and Marvin Hall last week had decent games. A.J. Green and Allen Robinson performed very well against the Colts. And when you're looking at now if T.Y. Hilton is out, that does clear some things up. Michael Pittman's still coming back from his injury. He played behind Marcus Johnson, who's also dealing with an injury, but it sounds like he should be back today in practice. And when I, when I think Marlon Humphrey is out, that's going to open up opportunities for Zach Pascal. So Zach Pascal had the toughest matchup in the slot versus Marlon Humphrey. That's no longer the case. So maybe he could be like a fringe wide receiver three in this matchup. But I, to be honest with you, I think the sleeper guy that I really like is Marcus Johnson. You just seen the type of players that have beaten the Ravens in this, in this, this season. I think that leans towards Marcus Johnson. He's performed very well in his starts. And with no T.Y. Hilton there and Michael Pittman still coming back from injury, I think Marcus Johnson could be a nice you know, sleeper wide receiver three. On the ground game, it's it's like I just touched on. 
I'm sorry. I, I think I just I just pivoted to the wrong thing. So what I meant to say is uh, I, I just got completely messed up there. What I was talking about was who beats the Colts. And I apologize. Those guys, A.J. Green, Allen Robinson, Mark, Marvin Jones, that was my mistake. Uh, it's So Marquise Hollywood Brown is actually a decent play in this matchup. So I'm sorry. Mar- Marquise Hollywood Brown, I like him in this game. The ground game, I like those guys. And like you just touched on, you're not going to sit Mark Andrews. Even though the Colts have been very tough against tight ends, Hawkinson and, all, and Austin Hooper got over 50 yards versus them. So I'm not fading Mark Andrews in the slightest. On the Colts side, all right, so some of the things I just talked about um, is kind of why I'm interested in a guy like Marcus Johnson. So if T.Y. Hilton's out, you also got to look at the fact that all three tight ends are probably going to be active. Well, like Cox should be back to practice today just to set something else to monitor because no tight end got over 50% of the routes versus dropbacks last week. So no one ran a route on 50% of Phillip Rivers' dropbacks. That's just not – that's going to be rush. It's like almost like Russian roulette of fantasy tight ends. You're not going to know who scores the touchdown that week. And with three guys rotating, I'm just not going to, I'm not interested. There's other options out there, uh, especially even in a better matchup versus a Ravens defense that has allowed production to the tight end. Uh, Eric Ebron had four for 48 and one, but at this point I would lean Trey Burton because he is getting the most routes, but honestly, it's just a very tough situation. Uh, in that sense. But who beats the Ravens? I, if you look at it, you know, Terry McLaurin, T.Y. Hill, um, Tyreek Hill, Travis Fulgram, Chase Claypool, T. Higgins. So these outside maybe vertical threats have beaten them. So that's why I like Marcus Johnson. Um, that's kind of why I was talking about a little bit earlier. So when I'm looking at this game, because of all the injuries to the Ravens, I like the pass game value bump for those guys. So I think Marcus Johnson could be in play. Zach Pascal could be a PPR wide receiver three, maybe in this matchup, I'm kind of fading the tight ends, even in a better matchup, because I just don't know who it is. But if you, if you're desperate, Trey Burton would be my pick and the running backs. I mean, listen, uh, Jordan Wilkins outplayed, uh, outplayed, uh, sorry, Hines, Hines, not, um, not Hines, uh, Jonathan Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. Sorry. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor. I'm losing my mind today. Jonathan Taylor and John Taylor is dealing with the ankle injury, but he's practicing in full now. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be back. And I think that it's a little concerning that Wilkins is getting so much work. You know, one of the appealing things about Jonathan Taylor, once Mac went out, was he was going to be a workhorse. He's not a workhorse. So to be honest with you, the Ravens aren't just some schlub defensive team that you're going to play Jonathan Taylor against. So maybe I'm fading Jonathan Taylor, even with some of the injuries to the defensive line with uh, Matt Judon and Patrick Queen, those kind of guys are also on the COVID list. So just keeping a monitoring that situation, but I need to see it from Jonathan Taylor before I put him in my lineup. And this is not the game where I'm interested in playing him. So I'm probably once again, favoring the pass catchers in this matchup. If Mark Ingram is out in this game, which it seems he will be, are you uh, same game? Are you more confident in playing Jonathan Taylor uh, banged up and in a three headed monster or JK Dobbins rookie, possibly the backup, but absolutely more explosive Dobbins. Yeah. Dobbins. Yeah, yeah. Likewise. Okay. I, I agree, man. I think this is going to be a real tough one here. This is going to be a great NFL game. I'm excited to see it. And obviously with these teams, both the five and two, there's a lot on the line here uh, still just in the middle of the season. Okay. Let's get into one more and then we'll do a quick commercial break here. Houston at Jacksonville. Now the uh, Texans coming off a of bye. Jacksonville coming off a of bye. This is going to be uh, <laughs> both these teams are one in six. It's a divisional rivalry. Houston's favored by a touchdown on the road. Jake Luton from Oregon State up the street for me here. Uh, uh, I'm a duck, but the Beavers are right up the street here from Oregon State. Um, 
making his NFL debut. Garner Minshew out. DJ Chark been hit or miss. Um, you know, Keelan Cole hopefully coming back. Running back wise, James Robinson has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, number three running back on the season before that buy. And of course he's fallen down a little bit after last week's other performances, but he's been very good. No defense to speak of though in Jacksonville, likewise for Houston, very little defense as well, but on the offense, Deshaun Watson has absolutely been on fire. He's in my start of the week for single quarterback leagues this week against the Jacksonville Jaguars and David Johnson, I mean, again, with the landscape of the running backs, kind of similar to Todd Gurley, more involved in the passing game, kind of a TD or bust with a volume play there. And then really, I mean, Will Fuller didn't get traded. A lot of people expected him to get traded. Uh, Green Bay was on the docket all the way to the deadline, but they passed. Will Fuller's still around. Brandon Cook's still around. Um, Even Randall Cobb, I think, uh, if you're stuck, could be an option. And now we get both tight ends coming back as well. Um, Jordan Akins and Brandon um, uh, or Darren Fells, excuse me. I said Brandon LaFell is what I was going to say. Remember him from 10 years ago? It was <laughs> I love quite it. Throw, quite We're both throw, losing it today. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. There's a, a lot of, a lot on the brain there. But anyway, Darren Fells also coming back here. So a lot of options. Um, but again, Deshaun Watson and James Robinson seem to be the only uh, guaranteed starters here for me. And, and Will Fuller, of course, uh, while he's healthy, you got to play him. But everybody else, I'm, I'm probably going to fade, even though I think this is a low-key shootout potentially well the biggest thing is Gardner Minshew's out so I think that's something we need to make sure we understand is they're playing another six I don't know what is their obsession with sixth round quarterbacks but once again another kid's coming in and playing I I don't know anything about this guy I really don't know how well he's going to perform in his first career start and but listen Gardner Minshew's been playing with a broken thumb or broken finger on his hand the last couple weeks and that's kind of contributed to some of his passing game woes so Maybe it could get better with someone who actually has a healthy hand to throw a football. So when you look at this game overall, it's a low pass volume projection game. One of the big keys that really helped this last time was the injuries to the secondary for the Jags. So the rookie uh, cornerback they have, Henderson, who was out. Um, also Hayden was out for the Jags. And now they're, they're going to be back. So that's something to note. Deshaun Watson and Minshew had over 300 yards in that game. It was a 30 to 14 win for the Texans. But at the same time, that was an indoor game in Houston. Now they're playing outdoors in Jacksonville. They also had injuries to the secondary. So I just think that this game plus the injury to Garner Minshew could mean a lower pass volume game across the board because the Texans might not need to do as much because they don't have to face Minshew and plus they're playing outdoors on the road. So just something I was thinking about when I was looking at Deshaun Watson in this game. You know, when you looked at who beat dominated the last game was Brandon Cooks, eight for 161 and one. Will Fuller had a decent game before for 58 and one. But when you're when you evaluate who actually beats the Jags, it's actually inside guys. Guys are in the slot uh, over guys outside. And Brandon Cooks actually kicks in a decent amount. Both of them actually, Will Fuller and him, play get about one third of their targets from the slot. So that's why I'm okay with those guys. I'm okay with starting them. They they move them around, around like chess pieces pretty well. So I'm okay with Fuller and Cooks in this game. But I think overall, I'm not going to get cute. I don't think – I actually might disagree slightly with you on Deshaun Watson. I just think that overall, because the defense might actually be able to hold down that Jags offense a little bit without Minshew, that might Deshaun Watson might not need to throw the ball for 359 yards and three touchdowns. So might be still a solid start. I'm just not expecting a blow-up spot in long for that passing game. So I'm fading guys like Cobb and Fells and Aikens. I think I'm just going to focus on Cooks and Fuller. For the ground game, David Johnson actually had a very good game on the ground, 17 for 96, 
But David Johnson is very interesting because he has not been involved in the past game. Like you said, he's also not getting a lot of touchdowns recently. So I think the one thing I will say is David Johnson is a fine flex running back. But like I said, I just don't think that they're going to dominate this game like they did last time because of some of the injuries to the Jags defense. So I do like David Johnson as a flex at best. I'm not really that high overall on him. And then obviously Duke Johnson, we're not going to worry about it. But the Jag side, it's the rookie quarterback. I don't really know anything about this kid to really dive into him and say, you know, you start, sit, whoever. But when you're looking at the, the Texans game from last time, you know, Bradley Roby's the new shadow corner in the NFL. He's been shadowing top wide receivers. He shadowed DJ Chark the last matchup, and he held him down. Chark was not good in the last game, three catches for 16 yards. So, you know, maybe Chark is a fade, especially with the quarterback change over there as well. One of the guys that actually did very well was, was Chennault. He had seven for 79 against the Texans, and I think that's the person I lean towards in this game. He is the perfect uh, prototype for a young quarterback get the ball out of your hands quick. That's kind of Chenault's role. So I think Chenault might be a solid PPR wide receiver three in this matchup. And then Robinson. James Robinson has been awesome this year. He's been a lot of fun uh, to watch. He seems very like boomer bust in a lot of ways. But in the game against Houston, he was not that good. But he still got you like a combined like 70 yards and five receptions. So overall, even though it was a disappointing game, he still got you about eight and a half, nine points in half point PPR. So I just think that, you know, I'm a little concerned with this young quarterback who's we don't know what to expect. So I think I'm still starting James Robinson, but I'm probably fading the other Jags pass catchers. And I think Chenault might be like a desperation wide receiver three in this matchup. I agree on the Jags side. I'm going to push back one more time on Deshaun Watson really quick, just, <laughs> right. I, just because I, I, I did take him as my start of the week and broke it down quite a bit. So first thing I will say is, is over the last couple of seasons, this game has actually been in London a couple of times. And when that has been the case, uh, it's been on a neutral field and, and a road game or whatnot. Like the Jags have actually done pretty well. But as we all know, the Jags defense was incredible in 2017, pretty good in 2018, decent last year, but absolutely has imploded. And they've got rid of everybody fire sale. So it's not the same team that has been beating up on Deshaun Watson. A, B, Deshaun Watson has thrown 300 plus yards in each of the last four games, 11 touchdowns in those four games before going into the bye. He was QB two over those four weeks. The Jacksonville Jaguars have allowed the second most fantasy points per offensive play behind only the Atlanta Falcons. And of course you fire up your quarterback against the Falcons every single week. They have given up 8.4 yards per attempt, which is the third highest in the NFL. And additionally, they've only earned a sack on 2.48. So basically two and a half percent of the dropbacks, which is tied for the lowest number in the league. So basically they don't get any pressure right now. And if Deshaun Watson is able to, he dances around back there anyway to make plays. If he's able to sit there back there comfortably for the day, let his uh, Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller get deep. I mean, we saw him for years with Nuke Hopkins and Will Fuller as well, throwing 40-yard bombs constantly. I think that since Bill O'Brien has left, this whole locker room has taken a deep breath. Deshaun Watson is out there playing just – enjoyable football I think again for the first time in a while and they're terrible both these teams are bad it's a rivalry game I think they're going to try to run it up and you're right my only concern is that he could bust if they run the Jags out of the building immediately and then they just run the clock out in the fourth quarter that can always happen with a bad matchup like this but if Jacksonville can put up some points as well um, on this bad uh, Houston defense then I think that Deshaun Watson is going to have plenty of time to uh, really just have some huge plays. And of course he can add it on the ground as well. So 
I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it could definitely go either way. I just feel that it is a uh, Deshaun Watson week. All right, man, let's take a quick commercial break. We got four more games to get into, but first, please, Bobby, let everybody know where we can find your content. Yeah, you guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor, also on YouTube as well. I'm also FFX Factor on Twitter. If you guys also want to read my articles, I write for Expand the Box Score. My article comes out every week on Saturday called the Opportunities Analysis. And then every Friday, I also write a report called the Shadow Coverage Report on football.rasball.com. Excellent. Make sure to go get the get the man some follows. Make sure to go read his articles. You hear the analytical breakdowns that we love here on the TCK pod. And you can go find more of that information for yourself because we only have a kind of a one hour segment once a week with Bobby, but he does a lot of other work elsewhere. Please go make sure to support and give us a five star rating and a review right here on the podcast where you're listening. You can follow the TCK pod on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod rankings and articles, of course, at TCK pod. Dot com. All right, Bobby, four more games to get into here. Carolina at Kansas City. Uh, this game, again, Carolina comes in at three and five. They have played much better than I think people expected them to, particularly on defense. Their defense is coming into the season. It was just guaranteed that the defense was going to be the worst in the league. It has not. They spent eight draft picks. All of their draft picks this season were on defense. They're building for the future. I think they're going to be very good for a, a really long time eventually, and they've been pretty good so far. Unfortunately for them, they're going up against the Chiefs. This game is in Arrowhead Stadium. One thing that I think helps the Panthers in general to hopefully even keep this game close is the resurgence and the comeback of Christian McCaffrey. So right off the top here, if Christian McCaffrey is active, you have to play him, I would assume, unless you disagree. My question is, and everybody else's question, is this the end of the line for now for Mike Davis? Do you play him because maybe Christian McCaffrey will get a limited role, or does he jump right back into CMC where he's going to get 99% of the touches out of the backfield? Uh, the rest of the offense here, are you comfortable with Teddy B? Quarterbacks have traditionally been horrendous uh, at Arrowhead versus these Chiefs. And then DJ Moore, who's basically relied on big plays, which is uncharacteristic for him so far in the NFL, and Robbie Anderson as well. On the other side for the Chiefs, you start your studs, of course. But the question is, Le'Veon Bell, can you fire him up against the league's worst rush defense? And can you potentially fire up somebody else like a Nicole Hardman, who finally went off for two touchdowns last week, or a Demarcus Robinson, uh, who kind of has hit or miss Um games as well so of course you start Mahomes you start Kelsey you start Hill but is there anybody else in that Chiefs offense that you're excited about C, uh, CEH I assume is automatic these days but Le'Veon Bell and maybe one of those alternate receivers there and then what do we do with the uh, Carolina backfield so I mean listen the thing with the Chiefs I you know it's when you're evaluating them it's just like are they going to blow the water out of somebody and then they just kind of sit everybody in the fourth quarter it's like that's the biggest problem. Last week, the biggest thing with the Jets game was the Jets are actually a decent run defense and a terrible pass defense. So they're a pass funnel defense, which means, you know, Miko Hardman had a big game. Demarcus Robinson got a little bit extra. You know, Hill had a monster game. Kelsey had a monster game. And the running backs did nothing. The Panthers are a completely different defense. They're the opposite. They're actually a, a run funnel defense, which means you're probably going to see a lot more success for guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, I think a lot of people are looking at that revenge game narrative, and that did not work out in anyone's favor. But when you're when your Patrick Mahomes is bad there, just picking apart that Jets secondary, I think you're going to see a complete like an opposite feel. So I think when I'm looking at the Chiefs, 
What I really want, listen, you're not going to sit Travis Kelsey, Mahomes, Tyree Kill, but those other guys I think I'm less interested in because I think you're going to see a lot more success from the ground game. So I'm starting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I, I think the one thing I did notice and I dived into was, and listen, this is extremely, extremely small, so take this with a grain of salt, but in the first half last week, Le'Veon Bell had four carries to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's two. So Le'Veon Bell actually had more carries in the game. They both had – and then Le'Veon Bell got all his carries in the first three quarters. And then once the game was out of hand, actually Clyde was still playing a little bit in the fourth before they turned it over completely to the backups. So that's something that seems a little notable to me that they're starting to view, you know, Le'Veon Bell might start taking a little bit of a lead in this backfield. But at the same time, I think when you're looking at the ground game versus the, the Carolina Panthers, I actually am okay starting both these guys. So I think that you can pull put them in flex spots until we fully see the change of the guard to Le'Veon Bell. I think I'm still going to lean Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I just thought that was notable when I was looking into the data and splits from the first half to the second half. So I think both guys are going to have a lot more success on the ground this week. So I think that's something to note. I think that leads to just more success for those two. And then just the main pass catchers. Now the Carolina Panthers, Fantasy football, I don't really care if the game's competitive. What I care about is there's going to be opportunities in this game, and of course there is. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to put up points. So you got to assume that they're going to be able to – they're going to have to throw. So when I look at this, I'm playing Robbie Anderson. I'm playing DJ Moore. I'm not even thinking twice about it because Teddy Bridgewater is going to have to play keep up, and that's fine with me, man. Go out there and you throw as much as you need to do, and I think that's going to rise up the value of all those guys. So I'm starting my Panthers, pass catchers. And the CMC Mike Davis thing, I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw with Aaron Jones. You know, Aaron Jones last night, you know, pretty much dominated the touches. Dexter Williams got a couple carries. I think that's what's going to happen with Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to become the full workhorse just yet, but he's going to get most of the work. I think you're starting Christian McCaffrey 1,000%, especially because Chris Jones, the star defensive tackle for the Chiefs, got COVID, and he's not going to play in this game. And that's always been a huge thing about the run defense and the pass rush internally with the Chiefs. When there is no Chris Jones, they're not as good. So I think McCaffrey's a must-start. I think you're starting the, the Panthers. I think Teddy B is a low-end QB1. He's going to have to throw in this game to keep up with Mahomes. And then Mike Davis, I'm sorry, I think he's a handcuff. I think it's very important that every Christian McCaffrey owner gets their hands on Mike Davis. Um, it's really difficult to see. I offered Mike Davis for Le'Veon Bell, actually, in one league to the McCaffrey owner, and he said no. He laughed at me. I'm like, I, you know, I'm not gonna get into that, but I'll just Seems like, fair. You, yeah, I thought it was a fair deal, but he's like, no, absolutely not. But I'm like, okay. Um, but I think that's something that one thing to take away is if you're the cap McCaffrey owner, now that Davis's values plummeted down, it's time to reach out and say, Hey, listen, what do you want from Mike Davis and handcuff your, your, your top dog? I agree, man. I fully agree with that. And I, and I mentioned, you know, last week, this week, it is, it is a season of gathering your handcuffs and uh, you must do that. And honestly, in your case, I think it's a silly move on that owner. You know, that manager should want the handcuff of Mike Davis because honestly, right now, Mike Davis and Le'Veon Bell pretty much have the same value today. Right. But the different the difference is unless CMC goes down, which we can't predict, he's been healthy so far. The value of of Le'Veon Bell will never be as high this season as Mike Davis has already shown us for six weeks. Clyde so Edwards, you, uh, you said you said you said McCaff, CMC, CEH. Oh, oh. See, sorry, too many, too many, uh, too many letters here. Yeah, yeah exactly. so, so, so basically, if 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 uh, CMC gets rebanged up, which we see all the time with reoccurrence and injuries, and hopefully right. that doesn't happen, but if it happens, we have gotten proof that Mike Davis can be 
at least 85% of Christian McCaffrey, which everybody would love to have on their fantasy roster. Whereas Le'Veon Bell is going to have a much tougher time coming even close to that as long as CEH is healthy. And so far he, he has been. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a bummer on your side because you're looking for potentially a starter, but again, we'll see what happens, man. We see it all the time. The guys come back and I'm not saying CMC is going to kind of get injured this week or anything, but guys come back a lot in that first week and he's been out of football for six weeks. I mean, no matter how you train game speed is different. So yeah. that could be a little bit risky, unfortunately. Okay. Let's get into the Detroit lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Detroit comes in at three and four without their starting quarterback. They also do not have Kenny Galladay, their starting receiver. The Minnesota Vikings come in. I mean, off of four touchdowns from Dalvin cook, Lions are three and four Vikings are two and five. Again, two teams that thought they were going to be much better this season in general. This game is, is really kind of up in the air for the Vikings. I think it's easy. You know, your guys, I think even Kirk cousins is a super flex stream this week or super flex automatic pretty much for quarterbacks, but a single quarterback stream. If you need him this week, um, Dalvin cook, obviously, and Adam Thielen and, and Justin Jefferson on the Lions side, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Marvin Jones was really exciting for me with Kenny Galladay going down, but now with Matt Stafford out, I'm concerned about that. Marvin Hall was even kind of creeping up there. TJ Hawkinson, probably still an option just because he's the easy dump off option. The lions actually sign Muhammad Sanu. Who's been kind of floating around the last couple of weeks, technically at the time of this report uh, podcast, he's on the practice squad. I expect him to get activated for the, um, game this weekend, but I'm not excited about him necessarily. I just want to kind of fill you in on that. The backfield is always a question here. Do we, do we uh, expect, you know, Swift to continue to kind of emerge as that top guy carry on Johnson scores the touchdown last week. Adrian Peterson is kind of lingering around, but kind of fading out again, Vikings are pretty dialed up. The question marks are in Detroit. Yeah. And I think the, the Matthew Stafford, you know, Chase Daniels is going to be the starter. Um, and you know, that's, he's a veteran, you know, he had, he started two games in, in 2018 or 19 for the bears. And he was able to put up some numbers, uh, you know, when I was looking into it, it, you know, but he's not going to elevate anybody. And I think when you're looking at the lions offense and the Viking and the Vikings game as, as a whole, when I was looking at the actual pass volume projection, they're both below, it's going to be a below average game anyway. Now you factor in chase Daniel instead of Stafford, I think that's going to bring down the value of all the pass catchers in this game, especially with how good Dalvin Cook looked last week in the ground game. But we'll get to that in a second. But for the Lions, you know, no Kenny Galladay, no Matthew Stafford. Chase Daniel, listen, when he played that one, one of his starts he faced against the Giants that season, he targeted Tariq Cohen 14 times in that game. So it's notable, especially if the Lions are trailing to the Vikings, that he's willing to check it down to his running backs. That could really help a guy like Swift. And I think that might be a notable tidbit for Swift as a PPR, half PPR asset this week, especially with him getting especially more acclimated, more work in the ground game as well. So I kind of think Swift might be okay. I think he might actually get benefit a little bit from a guy like Chase Daniels versus Stafford, who you know is willing to take it downfield constantly throwing it deep to guys like Marvin Hall and Marvin Jones. So, you know, when you're looking at the other guys, I'm not really too excited for any of the, these guys. I know the Minnesota Vikings have been getting torched by outside receivers. But when you look at who's been dominating the Vikings, it's been, you know, the premier talent, Julio Jones, Devontae Adams twice, DK Metcalf, Wolf Fuller. You know, those guys are premier top talents, you know, so I don't think it's necessarily 
how bad the Vikings defense really is, except for the, it might be more of the matchups they have faced. So I'm not really crazy about Marvin Jones in this game. I think of course, because Galladay is out, you know, is he a startable flex play? Sure. But Chase Daniel kind of throws a curveball on that whole thing. And then also tight ends. So Vikings have been beat by tight ends. And when I was looking at, you know, who really was able to get work with a guy like Chase Daniel, you know, the tight ends didn't do much with him, but at the same time, TJ Hawkinson is going to be a low end tight end one. Uh, I think overall, I, I would be very tentative to start any of the pass catchers in this game, especially with Chase Daniel running the show now. Um, I think the one guy I lean toward is Swift, though, in this matchup. On the Vikings side, listen, it should be a complete smash play for Dalvin Cook. I think I think he's worth the price in DFS. I think you're playing Dalvin Cook. They also, under the radar, what a lot of people weren't talking about was the health of the, the Vikings offensive line. They got some key linemen back over the last couple of weeks. And we saw that come to fruition with Cook last week, just completely dominating. But outside of that, you know, I do think the one thing I would worry about is the Vikings could be good. I think the Vikings DFT could be a streamer defense this week against Chase Daniel, especially how good they looked against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they just held down Rodgers to, you know, well under 30 points, which is pretty surprising. We just saw what Rodgers did to the 49ers. So I think, you know, the Vikings DST could be in play this week with Chase Daniel playing quarterback. But I think that, would worry me a little bit about the pass catchers, but we have seen plenty of duos, you know, do well against Detroit. So Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, uh, uh, Smith and Sanders for the Saints, A-Rob and Anthony Miller back in week one. So I think Thielen and Jefferson are fine starts. I just think that they're, they might be capped ceilings, but I really like Adam Thielen in this game. I think he gets right. I think he is a solid play. I think Justin Jefferson's a flex. And, of course, Dalvin Cook is a smash play. I think Kirk Cousins is not going to have to do much in this one. So I think I'm fading Kirk Cousins in this matchup because I'm projecting a much lower pass volume in a game that could be controlled with the defense versus Chase Daniel. Yeah, I agree. And I think the Minnesota Vikings is a uh, uh, kind of a sneaky DST stream if you need as well with Chase Daniel back in there. Okay, man, two games left. Let's get into the Bears and the Titans, the Bears come in at five and three. Again, we talked about the Colts, that five and three, still kind of a mirage. They had a hot start to the season, pulled out a couple wins that uh, maybe they wouldn't win if they replayed those games. Nonetheless, they're at five and three. So respect to uh, our boy Dwee's Bears. And then we have the Titans at five and two, which I think are a better team than five and two. Frankly, I think they're up there in the, in the, in the tops of the AFC for sure. So let's get into the Bears here. Uh, this game is in Tennessee. Again, should be a nice day. I mean, almost 80 degrees in Tennessee, which looks incredible. Um, low over under. We know how both these teams like to run. They like to run the ball. They like to play defense. And they don't have, I mean, efficient quarterback play, but not fireworks quarterback play by any means. Tennessee, a, a touchdown favorite at home. For the Bears, you know, Nick Foles, meh. Allen Robinson is absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait for these this receiving core, particularly with Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney, to get a quarterback. And then a question mark is going to be, you know, Jimmy Graham. Do you think he catches a touchdown this week is basically what it comes down to. David Montgomery basically has to be a floor play. You're not going to get a lot of fireworks, but he's getting one of the, some of the best volume you can ask for in fantasy football right now. On the other side with Tennessee, you start your studs, right? Tannehill has earned his position, I think, at least in um, – you know, streaming capabilities, super flex for sure. And then Derrick Henry automatic. Um, Corey Davis has also emerged uh, quite well. Also the last couple of weeks since he's come back from the COVID situation and AJ Brown um, is automatic. A question, I guess, with the Titans is going to be Jonu Smith. We saw him come out really hot 
to begin this season, but that was with Corey Davis out. Corey Davis has come back. John Smith has been efficient with his touches, but not getting very many targets anymore uh, in general. So question marks are going to be kind of more on the side of the Titans with John Smith, potentially. How do you feel about Ryan Tannehill? And then with the bears, is it Allen Robinson and, and uh, Demon, or are you feeling anybody else? So when you're looking at the bears, the bears have been a very unique team because they can't run the football. And then they're actually pretty decent at stopping the run in on defense. And that has created some weird pass volume increases when they face teams. So when I was looking at the actual pass volume projection, this is actually a pretty solid pass volume projection game because they can't, they're not going to be able to run the football. One of the things I did know notice is that they're going to, the bears offense is going to be down three offensive linemen because of COVID. And that's bad news. I mean, they had a backup tackle already starting for them. He's going to, he's out with COVID. Then they had the offseason action, Fiati from Seattle, how you ever say his name, he's out, and then Whitehair, their center. So that's just dangerous. I mean, this could be a bad game for Nick Foles. I think the Titans' DST could be a solid play because of those injuries up front. But I think that's going to force them to throw more because they're not going to be able to run the ball with David Montgomery anyway, and they can't do it with no linemen. So I think that's going to force more volume for Nick Foles. I think that's great news for Allen Robinson. One of the keys here, though, is – the Titans made some under-the-radar moves on their secondary. So, Dory Jackson, their stud, all like their Pro Bowl caliber cornerback, uh, cornerbacks coming back this week. Then they also traded for Desmond Trufant, the slot corner from the, the Chargers. So, now they go from having a complete sleeve for a secondary to having three solid players because Malcolm Butler has actually improved his game the last two weeks. They've actually used him in shadow coverage over the last two games. and He's actually held up pretty well. But now you got a Dory Jackson coming back. And they, they get Desmond King for the slot. This could be a completely different secondary the second half of the year. So we'll get to see how Allen Robinson performs. I'm still playing Robinson in this game because we just talked about that pass volume projection. I think it's okay. And then when you're looking at this as a pivot option, it could be Jimmy Graham as well because the Titans are average against tight ends this year. Uh, I think that if these cornerbacks actually start stepping up, the Titans could become more of a pass funnel to the tight end position. So I think Jimmy Graham could be on the streamer radar this week if you need a tight end start. But I think Allen Robinson is the only other guy I'm willing to play in this game. I'm fading David Montgomery. I don't think he's going to do enough in the ground game at all against with no offensive linemen. And then on top of that, I don't think Darnell Mooney and, and Anthony Miller are starts either. I think they're going to struggle, especially with Desmond King taking over in the slot versus Anthony Miller. I'm not really too excited about that matchup on the Titans side. You know, listen, when I look at who beats the Bears and it's, listen, outside receivers have done very well against them, but, you know, Josh Reynolds did good against them and Robert Woods did not. It's It seems odd to try to figure out which wide receiver it's going to be, but DJ Moore had a big game over Robbie Anderson. Mike Evans had a solid day versus them. Calvin Ridley as well with no Julio Jones. But that's those are the kind of things that you, when you're looking at it, is A.J. Brown – going to get it done again I, I i truly believe that when you're looking at the bears as a defense they're very good but they have allowed production but like you said Corey davis has been pretty good this season when he's healthy that's kind of it's to me it makes it difficult to just say is there going to be enough for both aj green aj brown and Corey davis to perform in this game listen the pass volume projection says there should be so i'm okay with aj brown and i'm okay with Corey davis but tight ends have been very good against the Bears as well. Jared Cook, Gerald Everett, Gronk, and Bray had over a, um, a very productive day combined versus this Bears team. So I think Johnny Smith could bounce back in this matchup. 
as well. And of course, Derrick Henry's the king dog. You're not going to sit Derrick Henry ever. And the Bears aren't that intimidating against the ground, even though they are still a top 12 run defense, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And then Ryan Tannehill, listen, like, I, I personally, I'm a little worried that Nick Foles and company is not going to get it done. And I think Tannehill, that's always going to force the pass volume down. I think Nick Foles might throw a lot, but it doesn't mean he's going to be successful. So I think maybe that the Titans can dominate this game. And I think Ryan Tannehill is going to have an efficient, maybe like 250 and two, which is fine. But I think for a fantasy purpose, I think that makes him a borderline QB one this week in a game where the Titans should dominate. I agree. I think that Corey Davis could, could have a sneaky, uh, better game and, and, uh, AJ Brown has been one of the best receivers in football since he's come back from his injury over the last couple of weeks, but, uh, and he can do this any, any week. We see it with DK Metcalf, like he's dominant. So he could take a slant to the house anytime. Yeah. He could, you know, so I'm not going to say that like it's, it's one hit wonder shit. Cause it's not, he's, he's legit, but a lot of that production have come on big plays. So what the bears have done, what you just said, the bears have, have corralled that number one guy. Um, and so I think if they do that with AJ Brown, Ryan Tannehill clearly is matched up with, with Corey Davis at this point, And maybe again, even John Smith. So I think that those two guys could really, uh, benefit from AJ Brown getting the extra work there, um, for, uh, for the Titans. Okay. Last game of this, uh, slate here, man, we got the giants and the football team. Yikes. So this game is a uh, combined three and 12 here. The giants come in at one and seven. They should be probably somewhere around 500. Washington comes in at two and five. They should also be somewhere about around 500. Both of these teams somehow are still in the race for the NFC least, which is very impressive here. Washington is a favorite at home. This is the lowest over under of the week at 43. Um, Again, nice day on the East Coast this weekend. I'm I'm impressed here with all these uh, all these weather situations. About 72 degrees uh, in Maryland, but last week was just so treacherous here with all these wind issues. So looks good weather wise all around the country so far this weekend for the Giants. Look, man. I mean, Daniel Jones is my super flex sit of the week. I am just not into it. Washington has actually been very good on defense. They just can't get anything going on offense, in my opinion. If you have to play them and you have to stream them fine. I would just look to go elsewhere running back wise. I mean, do we trust Wayne Gallman? We're still not going to get Devonta Freeman back who did return to practice, but I don't trust him yet either. Deion Lewis caught a touchdown last week, but meh. Uh, Golden Tate is catching punts, uh, mimicking Terry McLaurin. Basically um, he's gotten very little work kind of demanded a trade early. They were looking to trade him, but they didn't. I think the Packers could have picked him up for cheap, but they didn't. Sterling Shepard really is the guy. Darius Slayton obviously is the guy if Daniel Jones can actually hit him on the other side for Washington, uh, you know, uh, Antonio Gibson, hopefully starts to really get gain his stride in the second half here. Terry McLaurin's an automatic at this point, your boy, Logan Thomas, potentially in a plus matchup, <laughs> but I don't know, man. I'm just, I'm not, um, I'm not really like excited. There's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of like RB two, RB three wide receiver, two wide receiver, three flex options to play in this game. But honestly, the Washington DST is probably the most exciting position for me in this game. Agree. And I think the biggest thing with these two teams are losing football teams that get a lot of fantasy production because they're trailing games. And this game is not going to be like that. So we already saw this game earlier in the year. It was 20 to 19. Uh, Kyle Allen actually, you know, had a decent game, 280 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they were trailing, you know, in that game a little bit, but Daniel Jones only attempted 19 passes in that game. So, 
it's it, based on what I see in my metrics, this is a very low pass volume game in general. And I think the fact that both these teams can be competitive, you're not going to get that influx of volume that they usually get when they're trailing in football games. So that's key. And then also when you're looking at uh, the defenses, I agree. I think I actually like the defenses, both of them as streamers this week in this matchup, especially how good and dominant that Washington football team front has been this year. So when I look at the Giants, listen, you know, that game, it's hard. Listen, you're not going to get 19 pass attempts again from Daniel Jones. That was a complete outlier. Jones actually rushed for 74 yards against the Washington football team, which is completely weird. But there was no Sterling Shepard in that game. So I think Daniel Jones is going to have to throw more in this one. So I think that is some good news. Um, it doesn't mean there's going to be an influx like 50 attempts or anything, but I do think 19 is extremely low and an outlier. So I like Shepard in this game. I do think Shepard, when you're looking at who has beaten the uh, Washington football team this season – Listen, DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, Robert Woods, Slayton got a touchdown, but he only had two catches in that game, and Amari Cooper. So when you're looking at outside of that Slayton, there's been a lot of guys that possession, Cooper, Woods, Hopkins, typical like those high-volume catch guys that are going to operate in the media, intermediate level of the field, and I think that leans Shepard. So I think Shepard and Slayton. Slayton might be a low-end wide, uh, wide receiver three this week. I do think he's startable, but I think I'm leaning Shepard over anybody. Evan Ingram didn't do anything. He had two catches for 30 yards in the first game, but you got to keep in mind, like I said, that was on 19 attempts. So I think Evan Ingram is probably going to do a little bit better. They just use him so poorly. I don't know if Jason Garrett knows how to use Evan Ingram. If you watch it, you know, he's getting end around carries because they're trying to manufacture touches for him. They should just give up on his blocking and just use him as they used to use Jason Witten. But I'm sorry to go on a rant, but I think it's crazy how they're using Evan Ingram this year. But I think Evan Ingram, because of the matchup, listen, he's a low-end tight end one. I don't think he's much. He's a must-start tight end at all. I think if I'm going to pick anybody against the Giants, it's Shepard number one, Evan Ingram number two because of the position he plays, and then Slayton is number three, not playing Tate. Uh, Freeman has been ruled out, not playing Gallman. I don't even think it's worth it. I think the Giants might have the worst run game matchup of the week. The line mm. for the Washington football team is dominant. Now, when you're looking on the other side of the football, uh, listen, you know, Giants have a little bit of banged up secondary. Logan Ryan and Ryan Lewis are outs. So James Bradbury probably will shadow Terry McLaurin. But James Bradbury, they faced last time, you know, McLaurin had a okay game, seven receptions for 74 yards. Bradbury did not shadow him in the first game. But with the other injuries to the secondary, you might see Bradbury on Terry McLaurin in this matchup. So I think Terry McLaurin isn't a must-start player either. I think he's a flex play. I think he's going to get you – he's going to flirt with the double digits and half-point PPR, but I don't think he's going to have a monster game. So fade in DFS, maybe a low – like a flex play only in season long. And then when you're looking at who beats the, the Giants this season, it has been like slot guys, Juju Smith-Schuster, Cooper Cup, Greg Ward. So that doesn't really favor Terry McLaurin too much, but he does get a decent amount of production in the slot, so I think he's not a complete sit – but I would temper expectations. The last time these two faced off, McKissick and Antonio Gibson combined for 10 receptions. I think you're going to see that again. I think Antonio Gibson, to me, is probably the, my favorite start of anybody in this game. I think he's actually going to have a very decent game in this matchup, even though the Giants are a pass-funnel defense. So I do think that – is Antonio Gibson going to rip off a 100-yard rushing game? No, but I think the combination of receiving production – and ground game will put him on the flex radar at the running back position. J.D. McKissick, kind of the same philosophy, but I think he's going to be a lower-end flex, even though he did outproduce 
Gibson in the first game, but I think the bye week, what they're going to do is get Gibson going. So I'm going to fade Gip, I'm going to favor Gibson slightly over McKissick, but if you're desperate in PPR leagues, I would be okay with JD McKissick. Um, outside of that, listen, Logan Thomas, he got a touchdown the first matchup. That's great. I'm not banking on touchdowns for that. And I think with the low pass volume production uh, projection in this game, I think I'm just going to stick with McLaurin as a flex, the running backs. And then on the giant side, I'm thinking Shepard and Evan Ingram, and I might even be trying to fade Slayton, but I think he's an okay flex play if you need him. Evan Ingram has been so frustrating. I mean, he has been the last couple of years anyway, because everybody understands his talent. We see the talent when he gets his three catches a game, we see him breaking away from defenders. I mean, he's huge. He's ad, he's agile, the whole thing. What's, Mostly frustrating to me is I had him really high once again. I mean, everybody got burned last year because we all had him top six with OJ Howard and Hunter Henry as that next yeah. big three, and they all got hurt and blah blah blah. But a big thing was, unfortunately, we didn't get that uh, didn't get that this year, and I was worried about Jason Garrett coming in. But then I was like, hey, he's made basically uh, Jason Witten, or hasn't made, but he's been a part of Jason Witten being a top ten tight end for you know, 10 years. So I expected him to, to be better, but it just hasn't worked out. All right, man, that wraps up the late or the early games. I should say the early game slate, man. I appreciate you knocking it out. I know we had to move things around this week, but we got it in yesterday was Lucas's late game. So make sure to go check that out as well. Bobby, before you go, man, quickly, let's get your picks in for this week. A quick recap. You had a nice bounce back week last week, pacing the group at nine and five on the week. Well done, my man. You have tied with me overall 54 and 34 for both of us. We're both four games behind Lucas at 58 and 30 overall and Dwee's pulling up the rear at 50 and 38. You know the drill, man. I'll give you two teams. You give me the winner. We'll start with the Denver Broncos and Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta. Seattle and Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo. Baltimore and Indianapolis. Indy. Oh, there it is. It's the upset of the week. Houston <laughs> and Jacksonville. Houston. Carolina, Kansas City. Kansas City. Detroit, Minnesota. Minnesota. Chicago, Tennessee. Tennessee. And the New York football giants and the Washington football team. God, this is so bad. Uh, Washington <laughs> football team. <laughs> Less turnovers for Washington. That's what I'm going to go yeah. with as well. Bobby, it's always a pleasure, man. One more time before you get out of here, please let everybody know where you can find your content. Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor. The same thing with YouTube. On Twitter at FFXFactor. I also write a, a shadow coverage report every Friday for football.rasball.com. I also write a opportunities analysis for Expand the Box Score every Saturday as well. Go support the man, everybody. Give us a five-star review right here on the podcast. Wherever you're listening, give us a rating. As well, give us uh, some some um, honest feedback. We appreciate reading that. It helps me out a lot with the podcast. Find us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod and on Twitter, TCK underscore pod. Of course, you can find our rankings and articles at tckpod.com. This is episode 298, episode 300 coming up next week. Very excited about that. We got something cool planned for you. For Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X Factor, I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.